Some of us are alive. Good morning. Good morning. Well, at least you're here. But uh, I want to give a shout out to uh, Pedro and Bethany and Annalene, somewhere between North Carolina and Ohio right now, listening to the live stream. So, my sister Susie. There's a hillbilly holler. <laughs> and uh, yeah, a bunch of other people we know tuning in. And last month we had uh, 63 different countries, all 50 states and U.S. territories tuning in. Some to the live stream and some to the posted live stream later because they're in, they're in bed right now. That doesn't count the radio station. No, this is just on sermon audio. Yeah, the radio station, we don't even have a, a full grasp of everybody, but we hear from them from time to time. Russia. Say howdy to Brother Martin and uh, his wife over in the UK. Howdy. Uh, now, over in UK, just to let you, over in the UK and Europe and in a few, uh, two or three African countries, we have people who are actually having their Sunday evening service with us because it's Sunday evening there. And uh, they don't have a church or their church doesn't have Sunday evening services, so they join us and this is their Sunday evening service. So to those, we say good evening. <laughs> then there'll be some others who will wake up in a few hours and watch us in the morning on Monday morning. To those, we say good morning. <laughs> Either way, get yourself some coffee and settle in. Amen? Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get started with a song. Page 62, Crown Him with Many Crowns. Wonderful song. Thank you. 
return. Hallelujah.
But this song reminds me of Dan Goodrich because he always said it was his favorite song. So, Dan, if you're up there and you can hear us, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Amen. Send your request into bbfohio at protonmail.com. Bethany, Annalene, Pedro, have a good trip. Stay safe. I'll, I'll and as Brielle and Janie are passing those out, the rest of you can silence your cell phone ringer. Check my own. Yeah, make sure mine was silenced. Try to practice what I preach. <laughs> All right, mic's on. Charging. All right, how are we back there?
it is not Wednesday at noon, but we want to remind those who didn't hear us during Sunday school, if you on live stream have an outage or any of us throughout the day have problems with their phones or whatever, Wi-Fi, television, could be a number of any, anything, electrical outages even, um, there's just a major solar flare that uh, we're going to be uh, running into or being hit by um, today. And it could be, a, I said it could be just blips or it could be outages. We don't know, but just FYI so you, you understand what's going on. Um, if it happens to our, our live streamers, don't automatically think it's anything that can be fixed. It might be something that just you have to deal with and We'll upload the live stream later if you get knocked out completely. So with that, we're in Acts chapter 14, verse 8 is where we'll pick up after we have our current events update. Give you a minute to get there, Acts chapter 8, or Acts chapter 14, verse 8. Hold your questions and comments to the end of... That's what you get whenever you don't have a paid sound person. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, number one, Israel at war, February 25th. And uh, this is day 142 since the October 7th attack. There are still 134 hostages remaining. And a possible hostage deal is in sight. I just am, I, I don't know whether I believe it, but that's what they're reporting. The Times of Israel um, says that uh, they met in Paris, I guess, and uh, the team said to agree on hostage deal outline. Uh, Hamas reportedly has softened some of their demands. Um, I don't know what that means, but from what I understand, Prime Minister Netanyahu said release the hostages or no deal. That's what I believe they should be saying and doing. But we'll see. Until then, the Israeli fight against Hamas continues unabated. Uh, the IDF chief of staff said that fighting is key for negotiating hostages' release. And that's, uh, I believe, absolutely correct. The UN continues to curse and fight against Israel with little to no concern for the hostages held by Hamas. Um, the UN expert calls for immediate arms embargo on Israel. And uh, the UN is uh, going to be, if not the, it'll be part of the beast system. So we kind of expect this. Uh, the UN, whether it's called the United Nations or they change the name or whatever it happens when the beast arrives and takes over, and uh, he will attack Israel, Revelation 12, uh, tells us all about that. Well, if the rapture happens anytime soon, it'll probably be some of the same guys cursing Israel from the UN now who will be working for the beast in the tribulation. Just keep think about that when you're dealing with these things. You see these guys. You're probably, possibly, looking at some of the very people who are going to serve the Antichrist. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> we applaud the U.S. veto of the UN resolution for a ceasefire. We talked about that Wednesday night in our current events. But we continue to warn that the Biden administration is also working against Israel on a number of issues. For example, Biden, to appease Palestinians, reverses Trump policy on legality of settlements. Wow. 
And that is a clear contrast between the last two presidents and what they stand for and what you can expect, regardless, uh, in, you know, whichever one is elected, you know what's coming. And so we continue to obey Psalm 122.6 as we look at all that on that map representing the war on Israel coming from every direction and just uh, about to blow up. Could settle down, could blow up, we don't know. But we'll continue to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. Amen? Amen. So number two, gun control. Of course, that's setting the stage for the beast system dystopian reality that's coming. Uh, the Biden administration is working constantly and tirelessly to take your guns. Um, because they don't have a Democrat Marxist death cult majority in the Senate and the House, then Biden can't sign the laws to take your guns because he can't make law. He has to get the law passed through the House and Senate. They have to agree on it. The bill is then sent to him to be signed. And because of them not having a majority uh, in both uh, chambers, then they can't get these laws in the books. But let me tell you something. They would if they could. Yeah. And uh, they're trying to get around Congress. Uh, Biden gun rule being drafted to effectively ban private sales. The ATF has some non-Marxists in their midst who don't like what they're seeing and they're blowing the whistle and saying the Biden administration is going to try to work this thing to ban private sales. Now you say, well, that will be thrown out in the Supreme Court. It might, but in the meantime, it will have to work its way through there and at the, in the meantime, they can. That's, what, that's the way the Democrat Marxist looks at things. That's the way the rhino Republican looks at things. They think, of course this is illegal, but we'll do it anyway because in the meantime, we'll at least stop it for that amount of time. And then when they throw this one out, we'll just do something else similar and it'll start the whole thing over again. And the effect is a ban for that amount of time at least. That's what they're doing. Why? Because this is a major step toward a gun ban and complete control over an enslaved population. And I'm going to tell you something that most preachers today just don't seem to have the backbone to say. And I don't care. If I'm surrounded by a bunch of cowards, I'll still tell you the truth. The truth is that the almost entire Democrat Marxist death cult and the leadership of the Republican Party want you to be slaves. And the only sure way to do that is to take your guns. And that's what their agenda is. The Biden administration asks U.S. Supreme Court to hear a ghost gun appeal. Ghost guns just mean that they're guns that people assemble themselves. So they don't have them in a registry, therefore the government can't come and get them. <laughs> That's what it's all about. They don't want, they're going to basically then rely on someone to narc on you and to tell the authorities that you've got guns that aren't registered, and then they come and confiscate them. That's what they're trying to do. Why? Because they can't track and eventually confiscate guns they don't know anything about. They want your guns registered. That way they know where to come and get them. 
And they've been working on this for nearly three years. Another, this has been going on behind the scenes for nearly three years. Biden aims to sign on to UN's Global Gun Registration Treaty. The United Nations is assembling a treaty, and all according to our Constitution, in order for a president to get a treaty, he just has to go through the Senate. He doesn't have to go through both branches. And so the Senate is, uh, uh, I believe, I, I think they have enough globalists in the Senate to sign off on this. And so keep an eye on that. Why are they doing that? So that the illegal immigrant military they're building in America right now can confiscate your guns and arrest or shoot you for resisting international law, and they won't have any qualms about doing it because they're not really Americans. Yeah. They're taking foreign illegals who have no allegiance to this country, nothing really in common with us, single fighting age men, and now wanting to fill our military with those people. Anybody with two brain cells knocking together can understand what's happening. Amen. And anybody you know who's voting for this mess is either wicked, a devil with skin, or a fool. But these are the last days. Be informed, pray accordingly. Amen. Any uh, comments, questions before we move on? Yes, Nancy? What is Christian nationalism? Well, there's a, the true statement, and then there's they're basically anybody who isn't a globalist. Uh, a lady on MSNBC, I would have shown that to you, but I have to limit the amount of stuff I put in here. But a lady from MSNBC demonstrates the mindset of the left, leftist liberal. She, was, she said that a Christian nationalist is someone who believes, now listen to this, Someone who believes that you get your rights from God and not the government. That would mean every founding father was a Christian nationalist. Amen. Because it's in the Declaration of Independence. We are endowed by our Creator with certain inalienable rights. Amen. They don't come from government. The purpose of the government is supposed to be protect those rights, not to give you those rights. Amen. But... People have been run through our Marxist public school system, and a lot of them are just brain dead. They have no idea what the Constitution says or means. They don't know anything about the Declaration of Independence. They don't have any idea what their birthright is. They have no idea what reality is these days. I mean, pretty much this whole Swifty crowd, you know. I've seen some of them interviewed and everything. I'm talking, you're talking about some of the most empty-minded people who've ever walked the planet, almost like zombies. Amen. But that's what they're, they're, they want that. They want our young people to be, uh, whether it's Swifties or people who don't do anything but play video games and never read a book and don't have any idea about reality. That's what they want. An informed citizenry who believes in the God of the Bible has never been enslaved. So they have to do something to get rid of that. Make you stupid and Bible ignorant. Amen. That's what they're after. John? Yeah. I don't know if you uh, read uh, 
the one gun manufacturer, Remington, mm -hmm. 208 years. Yeah. You are now moving to Georgia. From, a, uh, from the communist state of New York to yeah. Georgia. Yeah, Remington's leaving after 208 years because New York has become totally communist. Yep. I don't know if Georgia's a good move or not. No, I doubt that their governor is a rhino. Yeah. And most of their state Republican leaders are rhinos. So, but it, I can't, you know, at least you can say this, you can't blame them for leaving New York. Oh, amen. These taxes. Yeah, they're going to save a lot of money. Also, probably stay out of prison. Because they're trying to they're trying to to sue gun companies and go after their CEOs and administrators for things that because of guns used in a crime or something. They've been trying that for decades. Yeah. Thankfully it's been thrown out of court most of the time, but they win in the lower courts and have to go to the Supreme Court to get thrown out. So look how close that is. Exactly. Chuck, you have a legal mind. Because that's exactly what the attorneys have said in, when they stood before the judges. They say, okay, so a drunk driver runs over somebody. If he's driving the Chevy, we should, you know, sue Chevrolet, sue GM, whatever. And, uh, yeah, but that's Marxism. They don't, it, it's, it's lawless. It doesn't care about law. It's just about power and hitting you over the head with it and doing whatever they can to take power. Amen. But like we said in Sunday school, you know, and we said it over and over, but God has not left us ignorant of the devices and uh, wiles of the devil. We know what he's doing. We know why he's doing it. And we know God's going to wipe the earth with them. We win. We're on the winning side. So we don't get down depressed about it. It can make us angry. We can be frustrated. But uh, it's just a matter of time, folks. You can look at anybody pushing that agenda and say, you know what? You either repent or your day is coming. And we know it for a fact. All right. Well, let the good times roll. Amen. Let's get into uh, Acts 14 and uh, open with a word of prayer. And uh, ask Brother Jim, if you would, open the Bible study prayer. Lord, Father, we ask your blessing in the service this morning. Make sure what the pastors prepare for us, Lord. You would that we be not ignorant, Lord, so we just pray that even now we're opening our hearts and minds to receive from you. Yes. We ask your blessing over everything said and done. In Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, Acts 14, 8-18, we titled it right out of the text, Scarce Restrain They the People. Scarce Restrain They the people. We continue our study of Acts 14 where Paul and Barnabas will find the unbelievers attempting to declare them to be gods. <laughs> Isn't that wild? <laughs> Let's read about it. Acts 14 verses 8 through 18. You can read the even with me. So start right in verse 8 with me. And there sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who never had walked, the same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him, and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand upright on thy feet, and he leaped and walked. 
And when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices saying in the speech of Lyconia, the gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. And they called Barnabas Jupiter and Paul Mercurius because he was the chief speaker. Then the priest of Jupiter, which was before their city, brought oxen and garlands unto the gates and would have done sacrifice with the people, which when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of, they rent their clothes and ran in among the people, crying out and saying, Sirs, why do ye these things? We also are men of like passions with you, and preach unto you that ye should turn from these vanities unto the living God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are therein, who in times past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness, in that he did good, and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness, and with these sayings scarce restrained they the people, that they had not done sacrifice unto them. Amen? So, Paul and Barnabas flee to Lystra, and things get crazy. <laughs> we have the lame man healed, which we kind of just take for granted, but you know what? We had somebody in here who never walked since they'd been born. That'd be quite a thing to see that healing. Then we have the God-makers, <laughs> verses 11 through 13, then the anti-idolatry response. So let's start right there, verses 8 through 10. The lame man healed, and there sat a certain man at Lystra, and it's just important to have a bit of an idea where all this is taking place. And a lot of these places, it's uh, interesting how many of these places are in modern-day Turkey. And it's not far from Konya. Um, modern day Turkey. I forgot to look up to see if Kanye is where the uh, uh, type of coffee originated. Some of you, anybody looked that up this week? But on a map, it's up there with Antioch of Pisidia and Iconium that we've been talking about. By the way, it's in the area of Galatia, and so these people who become believers would be among the people Paul would later write the epistle to the Galatians to. But if you look at the big picture there, it's uh, you see Antioch which is in northern uh, Lebanon today. And then Cyprus is that uh, island out in the Mediterranean that kind of looks like an uh, anteater. And then above that is where we're at there. And Lystra is southwest of the ancient Iconium, which I said is modern Konya in Turkey, and near a village called Gokirt. <laughs> And there's a larger city called Gokirt, so if you're ever in Turkey, don't get confused by that. But from where they left, they took a 45-minute drive in Paul's Taurus. <laughs> but it is a nine-hour walk. That's a pretty good walk. Uh, you think 49-minute drive, that puts us about Chillicothe from here. So I think that's about right. So it would take you about nine hours to walk to Chillicothe, I guess. But this is where, if you do go to Turkey and look for Lystra, that's what you'll see. It just looks like a, a mound. And uh, it's very interesting how um, mounds many times have turned out to be something more than a big pile of dirt. How many of you have been down to Chillicothe? Serpent mounds? Yep. But I understand there are several others in Ohio that I've never been to. What's it called? Oh, in High Banks. 
Yeah, I didn't know that until uh, I think Charlie might have been the one to tell me about it. What is it? Miamisburg Mound. Miamisburg? It's big, yeah. Big yeah. That's the one I was trying to think of. That's considered one of the most important in the country. It's right in Newark. Oh. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, if you ignore the fiction, it's still very interesting. <laughs> but uh, it's in Newark. And part of it is on a golf course. And, yeah, it's supposed to be, you know, commandeered and everything because it's sacred ground or whatever, archaeological, historical. But none of those bodies are there anymore because they blew them all up during the Civil War and now they're just piles of dirt. It's not like Jack Nicklaus. They're near people. Yeah. So uh, it looks like nothing but a mound up there in Leicester, but people go up there and they've actually found some very important uh, pieces of what's left of the city. I don't know if it was just uh, destroyed in war or what it is, but they found everything's kind of crumpled up and everything. I did, couldn't find any real good information about how it ended up where it is other than it was abandoned. Um, but anyway, that gives you an idea. And so verse 8 continues and says, that this man was lame from birth. Uh, that's just an important thing. Uh, sometimes um, people can lose vision, and I'm one of them. I lost vision for two years. I was legally blind. I, I have this huge, you know, 24-point font Bible because I couldn't read anything. I, I even had to use a magnifying glass for this. That's how bad it got. And um, thought I was going to be like that the rest of my life. And then we just kept praying, Lord, if you be your will, heal, heal me. Otherwise, I'm, uh, I'll do what i got to do. You know? And woke up one day and I was healed. Amen. And uh, went to my specialist and he said, well, you might as well give the Lord credit. I didn't do anything. <laughs> and so uh, we believe in healing. Amen. Amen. But uh, it's something else when you see somebody. We had Martha with us who was blind from birth. Um, my healing is wonderful, amazing. If Martha had been healed, whew, I mean, that would have been a whole other level of amazement. So uh, it's also important for us to consider that, to understand the thrill of being healed, and uh, you have to put yourself in his sandals, you know. Being lame, I mean, the guy never walked, never walked. So you keep that in mind as we continue with verse 9. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed. Now, so Paul's teaching, and this doesn't happen very often when I'm up here teaching, um, you're all equally beautiful and, you know, I don't. <laughs> but once in a while something will be going on and it'll get my attention. And uh, there have been a couple times where I saw somebody getting sick or like passing out, you know, that kind of thing. Um, you kind of look, and you know, you know you kind of, what's going on there, that kind of thing. Well, in the spiritual sense, Paul is looking at this guy, and he's probably just preaching, and he probably, the, the Spirit of God moved him to just zone in on him. And he realized, God's going to heal this guy. It doesn't say, God said, I'm going to heal him. You know, we don't know exactly, but somehow Paul perceived that this man, and it says, had faith to heal he was a simple believer in Jesus. That's what it took. Paul didn't ask for a seed faith offering. 
Paul didn't preach and say, if you have enough faith, did he? It's faith to be healed. Now we want to get this and move on, but I want to say this. Faith to be healed. It's not faith in our faith to get God to heal us. That's how the word faith, charismatic nonsense is taught. It's telling you that if you have faith, that your faith can get you healed, then you'll be healed. So the televangelists and the faith healers come in and they hit people in the head and blow on them and all that kind of thing. But if you're, if you, most of the time they, there's no real healings taking place, I'm not saying there is never a healing taking place. I, I won't say that. There are healings that take place because sometimes the condition is psycholo psychological, as they say, a mental thing. Um, and the, the excitement and everything, they can be healed. Uh, other times, I'm not God. I'm not going to say he wouldn't choose to heal somebody, even though the guy's a crook who's the, the faith healer up there, but the woman out here or the man out here praying for healing is a sincere believer. So God may heal them. I, don't, I won't say one way, but I'll tell you this. It's all on video. They've got these guys. They're a bunch of crooks. They fake the healings all the time. And if you don't get healed, they don't take any blame, obviously, on themselves. It's your fault. You didn't have enough faith. That's not ever... Jesus never said, you're healed. Oh, now you didn't have enough faith. When God does the healing, you're healed. It's a simple faith in God and submission to His will, which is what Jesus demonstrated even in the garden. Take this cup from me. Nevertheless, thy will be done. Amen. That's how we pray for healing. There's nothing wrong with saying, God, please heal me. Nevertheless, I submit to your will. That's the perfect prayer. Don't have to say a lot of words. Paul's response was an apostolic gift of spiritual discernment and healing that is not found after Acts. And so keep that in mind. You see these guys. I see the lady over here with the little puppy dog. And I know you've had a headache. And that, you know, that kind of thing. What they found out is they had a little piece in their ear and somebody's going around talking to people and getting notes and then they tell them what to say. It's all... Uh, even back like in the 80s, they'd go to Radio Shack and get those cheap little things, you know, and they worked. And uh, that, that's not God. That's, that, that guy's a crook. Amen. And what Paul, he didn't have radios. He didn't have an earpiece. What Paul's doing is a special dispensation that we call the transition period, where the app... The apostles had this for a temporary amount of time. But do you realize, we, you, some of you heard me say this before, but it needs to be pointed out that before Paul was dead, he no longer could heal people. Amen. And uh, who is it? Trophimus? He left at Miletus. Sick. Amen. Why did he leave him there sick? Because the transition was done. Paul was now getting old. It, and, and he didn't have the, the age didn't have anything to do with it but I just mean the amount of years that had gone by the purpose of these healing gifts was over and done and so Paul didn't have that ability anymore yeah, yeah John yeah. there was one of the two signs given to Israel mm -hmm. so God was transitioning from Israel to the Gentiles yes and we've covered that before but we're going to cover it again here in Acts that don't ever lose sight of that 
that God commanded the Jews to require a sign. Yeah. So that's why this is happening under the book of Acts. So we'll come back to that again at another time. Verse 10 says um, that Paul is speaking, and he said with a loud voice, Stand upright on thy feet. And what happened? And he leaped and walked. Amen. <laughs> That's that simple. Huh? No hesitation. Yes. And, it, you know, there's been times where uh, I, I think somebody sent me a link not too long ago. I can't remember who, which preacher it was. And he pulled a guy out of the wheelchair and told him to walk, and the guy just collapsed. <laughs> he had pronounced him healed in Jesus' name. And he pulls him out of the, and then the guy falls. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think he was hurt, but it was a pretty scary scene. But what we see here is nothing but just wonderful. I believe, you know, can you imagine when anybody dies at the rapture? How many Christians are there right now that are uh, paraplegics, quadriplegics, people who are deaf, blind? And at the moment of the rapture, they're all healed. <laughs> the, the rapture will be the greatest healing service in human history. <laughs> but Satan stokes the unbelievers to ruin the moment. And uh, that's funny too because I can tell you uh, when I was healed, the first thing, uh, you know, I got some blowback from people uh, and I've seen it in other people who are healed, and you know, the people. Well, I don't really believe that to happen. I don't think that really. I don't think you know. <laughs> it did, but there's always going to be this going on. Look at verses uh, 11 through 13. The God makers, verse 11. And when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying, "Praise the Lord!" <laughs> that would have been the right response. What they say in the speech of Lyconia, the gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. There's only been one time when a God came down as a man, and that's the man Christ Jesus. And it's not plural, it's the God who came down as the man Christ Jesus. Uh, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, except for in your NIV, in your ESV, in your New American Standard Bible. Those Bibles don't say God was manifest in the flesh in that verse. Look it up. But in the real Bible, it does say that. Instead of giving God the glory, they give glory to men and make the men to be gods. That's their response. Now, this is really something that preachers got to watch out for and there have been some preachers fall for it. Have you ever heard the phrase, they believe their press? People will just, they mean well a lot of times, but they'll build the preacher up like he's some, you know, specially, uh, you know, going, God created most people, but on the, on the eighth day, He created this guy. You know what I mean? That, that guy. Listen, folks, whether it's me, or name the favorite preacher, name the preacher that is the most respected that you know of, and we're going to see in a minute, he's no different from you. 
But, like John Wesley said this, how amazingly does the prince of darkness blind the minds of them that believe not? The Jews would not own Christ's Godhead, though they saw Him work numberless miracles. On the other hand, the heathen seeing mere men work one miracle were for deifying them immediately. If that's not an indictment of the wickedness of man, nothing else is. Jesus came and for three and a half years made the blind to see, the lame to walk, the deaf to hear, raised the dead <laughs> with His voice. Lazarus, come forth. And to this day, they try to deny He's God. Even professing Christians, people call themselves Christians, will deny. You can go out and find videos. Did Jesus really claim to be God? Was Jesus really God? Yes, He was. He said, before Abraham was, I am. I and my Father are one. John wrote, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I already quoted Paul referring to Him as God manifest in the flesh. Over and over ago in the Old Testament prophecies, Isaiah said, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God. Amen. <laughs> it's all over the Bible. If you want to know, if you want to proof that understanding the Bible is not about intellect, it's about the Spirit. Because all over the Bible, Jesus is referred to as God. He shall be called Emmanuel. And Matthew says that, that means being interpreted God with us. All over the Bible. And yet the Mormons all reject it. The Jehovah's Witnesses all reject it. The New Age movement rejects it. Most of the apostate churches in this city reject that truth. As clear as it is. But they'll deify men. How many of you saw these? I mean, you remember what it was like when Obama was running in 2008? I think that's as close to seeing a man deified in my lifetime I've ever seen. I mean, it was something ridiculous. And they put these big posters in their windows in the, uh, the houses out here. And one lady from the neighborhood came up and asked me if I wanted to put one of those in our window. And when I said, I'm not even voting for him, you should have seen the look on her face. Like, blush for me. He was crazy. Some of you may not remember like what I do. I remember what it was. Was that 16 years ago? But it was crazy. Sean? Oh, you see that in all those uh, communist leader countries where people have exactly. of their fearless leader yeah. displayed. Yeah, it's going on right now in North Korea, big time. Kim Sik Um, whatever his name is. Yeah, and uh, it, it didn't take a lot to cause people to do that because man has that natural tendency. Again, our Roman Catholic loved ones, the way they treat the Pope, it's blasphemous. They refer to him by names of deity and they worship the man. They won't call it that. I don't care if they call it that. What are they doing? It's worship. Just amazing. It's interesting to see what God they tagged Barnabas and Paul with, by the way. Yeah. 
Barnabas was tagged with Jupiter, which is the same as Zeus, I guess. According to, I guess, the Greeks was Zeus, and Jupiter is the Roman version. He's the principal deity of the Greeks and Romans by another name. And, uh, you know, you see that, and you almost wonder, I wonder if Barnabas kind of looked like him. <laughs> but Jupiter was the strong, silent type. And we kind of know that about Barnabas. Who's doing most of the talking here? Which is why Paul was called Mercury because that's Hermes in Greeks mm-hmm. uh, mythology, and that Hermes was the speaker, the orator, messenger. Messenger. So that's Paul. <laughs> that's funny because that's not the right order. Even if they, you know, Paul was the leader of this. Group. But he was the speaker. Yeah. So I think they got it right. Barnabas was the strong, silent type, yeah. and Paul was the one talking all the time, doing all the preaching. So I thought that was interesting. So in verse 13 says, Then the priest of Jupiter, which was before their city, brought oxen and garlands unto the gates and would have done sacrifice with the people. Think about how pagan you all are. I mean, just think about it. January. You know, these are all named after Greek gods and Roman gods. And then uh, the planets. You know, Jupiter, Mars, you know. Mercury, there's a Mercury planet. I mean, it's closer to the sun. And What's that? Days of the week. Yeah, the days of the week. And most of our names. Most of your names, either first, middle, or last, at least one of them has pagan origins. You know? Uh, and that's why we don't spend a lot of time trying to fix everybody when it comes to calling the celebration of the incarnation of Jesus Christmas. We meet on Sunday. Both words are pagan. You know, you don't have to fix the whole language if you go around, go around doing that. Um, Easter, I, don't, I like to call it Resurrection Day, but it, most of the time it's not on the actual Resurrection Day, you know, because he couldn't have been raised on a Sunday that lands on Sunday every year. It's impossible. Um, I think last year or this year it actually did, or will. I have to look that up again. We will before uh, the season comes. But you know what? If I know somebody is going to, have the observance of Easter Sunday, and they do the thing for Lent, and for 40 days they get in the Word and they pray and all that. I mean, um, you know, that's up to them. We're not going to get involved in all that stuff, but, you know, the important thing is that they're, they're saved and they truly are reading the right book and that they are really drawing closer to the Lord. That's the most important thing. And so that's why we don't major on uh, trying to fix everybody on all that stuff. But... Uh, Paul's going to later write something about this. How they brought sacrifice to offer in the name of Jupiter, but it's to Paul as Jupiter. Isn't that wild? So let's look at what Paul wrote. 1 Corinthians 10. 1 Corinthians 10, beginning verse 19. Verse 19, very British sounding. What say I then? That the idol is anything, or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything. Interesting though. Read 20 with me. But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that ye should have fellowship with devils. 
But I say, you're offering sacrifices to idols, you're praying to statues, you're burning incense to the icons, whatever case may be. The Bible says there's a devil on the other side of that thing you're offering that to. Doesn't matter your intention. You may think, oh, Mother Mary, Mother of God, blessed art thou, blah, blah, blah. On the other side of that is a devil. That's not the real Mary. First of all, the real Mary isn't listening to prayers. She's in heaven with all the other saints doing exactly what the other saints are doing. There's no intercession through Mary to Jesus. The Roman Catholic Church isn't the only one who teaches that, and it's a satanic lie. Don't care who's teaching it. And when you offer offerings of any kind, prayers, worship of any kind, incense, whatever, you're offering that to a devil. Where is it? Out here in Bell Fountain, they got this big Mary out there, and people go out there and pray and do the rosary and burn incense and candles and all that stuff. They're worshiping the devil. Yes, that's really the connection there. A, a goddess by many other names, Diana, Aphrodite's, uh, Semiramis, you know, Mary. Same spirit behind it. That's just something to mark in your Bible if you ever talk to anybody who's involved in that kind of stuff. And the apostles wanted nothing to do with being labeled little gods, <laughs> thankfully. Or we wouldn't know them as we do. Look at verse 14. Which when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of, they rent their clothes and ran in among the people, crying out. They're rejecting the attempt to basically create a personality cult, turning them into the focus of that attention. Now, it may not be as blatant, but folks, evangelicals are as bad as the unbelievers when it comes to this. They take their favorite preacher... And that guy becomes their little God. And when Alistair Begg tells people they should go ahead and go to gay marriages, how many of his followers checked out and followed him instead of God's Word? God's Word says, Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing. Don't make a completely wicked counterfeit of true marriage and... Put your stamp of approval on that. Shame on you if you do that. But it's many other things going on these days. You know, we talked about John MacArthur telling everybody that the blood wasn't what was important. It was just the death of Jesus. How anybody can read the Bible and see this bloody book, blood shed from Genesis to Revelation. The life is in the blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. In whom we have redemption through His blood, unless you're reading in NIV and ESV and American Standard, they take the blood out. And then you got MacArthur, who's made $20 million, raking it in, teaching that nonsense. And on and on it go with all the evangelicals, because you can talk to their followers, you can show them, look at the Scripture. They don't care. They're following that man. I've seen guys go to college and they fall under a professor's spell. And that professor is like the Holy Spirit in their life and becomes their little God. Then they go back to their home church and try to fix everybody. That King James Bible is full of errors. 
that uh, doctrine of the rapture that was trumped up by Darby in the 18th century. That, you know, it's just a one thing after another because some professor told them. Now the sad thing is you just don't have to go off to the professor. It's pretty much uh, about two-thirds of the church watching YouTube. And they want to fix the preacher and tell him how he's wrong on all this stuff when the preacher tries to tell him, wait a minute, listen to all the evidence. Proverbs 18.13, He that answereth the matter before he heareth it, it is folly and shame unto him. Listen first. Get the evidence. Listen to the whole thing. Acts 17.11, you listen, and then you search the Scriptures daily to see if those things are so. But that's not what people are doing. They're just being tossed about by every wind of doctrine, and then they they fall into it, they become invested in it, and they can't recant now because they know it makes them look foolish. That whole flat earth thing. That swept thousands of Bible believers into the sewer. And now out of pride, a lot of them just cannot admit they got suckered. And so churches lost members and finances and people out there preaching the gospel. And some of these guys, just like the Calvinism thing we talk about, you know how many times somebody has decided to no longer be a Christian and they want to be a Calvinist? I have no problem with people being a Calvinist and preaching the gospel. God bless you. But you know the majority of Calvinists I've known don't preach the gospel. They preach Calvinism. They don't run around looking for lost people to preach the gospel to. They look for Christians to convert to Calvinism. I received contacts just these last two weeks from two different people trying to convert me. What do they do every time? They spend sometimes between $20 and $100 to send me materials to convert me to Calvinism. Why don't you take that money and time and try to convert sinners to Jesus? But I've seen people just totally throw away their lives and their ministries to an ism. And it's usually named after a man. But they take a man and turn him into a little god. And I have no interest in being ahead of a personality cult. We're, we're a cult. We're a Bible-believing Jesus cult. Because today we're considered a cult. If you believe the Bible, everybody will tell you you're in a cult. How many of you have been told that? I'm the pastor and I've been told that. You're in a cult. I'm the pastor. <laughs> and I always tell them the same thing. When I read my Bible, I find what it says and we believe it. Amen. If that makes us a cult, so be it. But if I get in a time machine and travel back 50 years, the majority of the evangelical churches are right where we are. Amen. Who moved? Amen. We need to appreciate the intensity of feeling the apostles are demonstrating here. This is why I get, you saw me get a little emotional. I'm sorry. <laughs> not, not crying emotion this time. Uh, but uh, I get a little emotional about it. I get so sick of watching people like dumb sheep fall into these personality cults. These people who follow Joyce Myers. These people who follow Kenneth Copeland. They always got their the Rod Parsleyites. All these people who follow, even people like Peter Ruckman. I'll tell you this, I think Peter Ruckman was a great teacher, but I'm not a Ruckmanite. I'm a Jesusite. I'm a Bibleite. So was he. He didn't start calling his followers Ruckmanites. Yeah. Verse 15 says, and saying, Sirs, why do ye these things? I hope I'm not talking to anybody here, but that's what I'm saying. Why? Why do that? Now look what it says there. 
Let me go back. We also are men of like passions with you. Now, I want to blow your mind here real quick. Again, I asked you earlier to think of the preacher that you believe, if it's Billy Graham or Joel Osteen or Rick Warren, but even if it's Peter Ruckman or it's a J. Vernon McGee, I don't know, or maybe it's somebody we don't know, but it's a preacher that's pastored your family. Name it. Put that person in your mind. I don't care who it is. If it's a woman, okay. Yeah, then you know. <laughs> Some of you might have been raised that way. Right? All right, now think of that preacher. You got him? You got one? I'm asking you to seriously do it. Think of that person. The one preacher that you would put the most respect in. I want to tell you something. He's sexually lusted after women. He's been tempted to steal. He's thought bad, bad thoughts. He's probably thought about killing somebody and it was probably a member of his church. We also are men of like passions with you. Obviously. I guarantee you, the Apostle Paul, if we were to hear it on Judgment Day... I mean, he talked about Alexander the coppersmith and some of these guys. I bet he wanted to kill them. Remember what he said in Galatians about the people who trouble you? I wish they were all cut off. That's wishing for their death. Why would you feel like that? You'd feel like that because they're preaching a false gospel and damning souls. That's one reason to feel that way. It's pretty... Amazing, you just think about that preacher and you just think about anything you've been lusting after and had to repent of, anything you've... Uh, and, and a lot of times it's the sins that you've committed they've done too. God's forgiven them. A lot of these once married pristine preachers who can brag about the fact they've only had one woman for life and yet they fornicated with several before they got married. According to the Bible, they've had several wives. It's not on the books with the government, but in God's eyes they did. I'm not saying that to cut anybody down. I'm saying that to put us all on the same level, and not just preachers, I mean all of us. All of us are right here. You know the one man who isn't among us? Jesus. Jesus is the only one who isn't guilty of being subject to those passions. He was tempted, but it, he wasn't subject. And we're subject. We have a sinful nature. We want to do those things. We need good reasons not to. <laughs> yeah, that's the reality. Why don't you do those things? A lot of times it's just because I know God doesn't want me to. It's not because I don't want to. I want to, but God says not to, so I don't do it. Some of you are being honest. <laughs> I know the rest of you mean it too. The absurdity of humans deifying other humans is matched only by the pervasiveness of the practice. Again, real quick, just to review this. Eastern religions, Eastern mysticism, Hinduism and Buddhism, which is more than a billion people on the planet. What do they do? All their gurus are considered godmen. Those wicked sinner gurus are considered gods. The New Age movement teaches that all humans have potential for godhood. If you reach maturity as a new ager, you're supposed to chant and say, I am God. 
Out on a Broken Limb. I mean, Out on a Limb. Um, it was a movie that was out in the late 80s, I think it was. What was her name? Uh, Shirley McClain. Out on a Beach. I think I've told this before, but who's the guy that wrote the uh, Piercing the Darkness? Freddie. He was given a... He was given a conference lecture or something, yeah, whatever. And he said, can you imagine God looking down at Shirley and that other guy on the beach? And they're saying, I am God. I am God. And God's up there like, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, been a good time for one. Yeah, we saw that a few weeks ago. Of course, the Mormons... If you're an obedient male Mormon and you go through the temple marriage and you're faithful to death, they teach that you will be a god and have your own planet. You'll have billions of celestial wives, have endless celestial sex, which, <laughs> that must be something. But, uh, and you're going to populate your own planet. They teach that our planet is populated by the offspring of a god on the planet Kolob. And as, as as man is, God once was. Is what and what God is, man, man will can be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. True story. And of course, then among some who claim to be evangelicals in this work faith cult, they elevate men to being little gods. Do you know what else that's settled then tonight? This hue and cry and controversy that has been spawned by the devil to try and bring dissension within the body of Christ that we're gods. I am a little God. Yes. Yes. I have his name. I'm one with him. I'm in covenant relation. I am a little God. Critic, you are anything that he is. Yes. Now that's interesting because if everything produces after its own kind, we now see God producing man. Dollar. And if God now produces man, and everything produces after its own kind, if horses get together, they produce what? And if dogs get together, they produce what? If cats get together, they produce what? But if the Godhead gets together and say, let us make man, then what are they producing? They're producing gods. Now, I got to hit this thing real hard in the very beginning because I ain't got time to go through all this. But I'm going to say to you right now, you are gods, little g. You are gods because you came from God and you are gods. You're not just human. You know, why do people have such a fit? about God calling his creation, his creation, his man, not his whole creation, but his man, little gods. If he's God, what's he going to call them but the God kind? I mean, if you as a human being have a baby, you call it a human kind. If, if cattle has another cattle, they call it cattle kind. So, I mean, what's God supposed to call us? Doesn't the Bible say we're created in his image? You know who you are? Turn to Psalm 82. This is going to blow your mind real good. Yes, Psalm 82.1 God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. That's you. He judgeth among the what? 
Now, would you please listen to me? This is talking about you. He's telling the gods. Who are the gods? You are. See, I never heard that. Let me ask you this. Hello, you. Are you God's offspring? Yes. Then you're not human. So this God-like person inside of Benny Hinn right here has nothing to do with flesh and blood. He's a part of God. He's a little God walking in a, in a little body. Don't say I have, say I am, I am, I am, I am, I am. Say after me, within me is a God-man. Say it again. Within me is a God-man. Now let's say even better than that. Let's say I am a God-man. When I read in the Bible where he says I am, I just smile and say yes, I am too. Here's where it's going to get big for some people. Get ready. Go, go ahead. Email me now in that place. Go ahead. You tap into who you really are. You know what the Bible calls you? It says you are a little Elohim. You are a little God. If you can see his face there, I think that's like... I like his face there. It's a proper facial response to that kind of nonsense. This is going on in Pentecostal charismatic churches and other independent churches and some denominational churches throughout America. That's what they're teaching. And preach unto you that you should turn from these vanities. Turn from these false teachers. Turn from these charlatans and liars unto the living God which made heaven and earth and the sea and all the all things that are therein. Again, just think of the absurdity of it. It's amazing. Verse 16. Who in time past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. We don't have time to get into this in depth. But God didn't leave them to their ignorance without a witness to them. And verse 17 says, Nevertheless, He left not Himself without witness in that He did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. Jesus said it rains on the just and the unjust. Everybody in the world gets the what they call uh, provenient grace, or there's different terms for it, uh, that God shows His grace to all men. Uh, and He then like Rahab, Ruth, Naaman, if you remember them, among others, responded to God's goodness, and they'll be with us in heaven. They weren't Jews in the Old Testament, but they join themselves to God and His people and they'll be with us. And there's many, many more that we'll meet once we're there. Amen? Yeah. Look over at Romans 1 real quick. This is very familiar territory to most of you. Romans 1, 19 and 20 explains this. No one is going to be able to say that God did not deal with them, didn't come to them. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Paul wrote that the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. So we know that God's Spirit deals with every man, woman, and child. And he uses his, that person's conscience. He also uses creation. Look at verse 20. Or i got 19 and 20. 19 says, Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. Read verse 20. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. In a nutshell, I believe that anyone who responds to that witness, God is going to reveal Himself to them. Amen. Here in America, it might be uh, our ministry, a chick track, or any other church ministry, or any other individual preaching the gospel. In other countries, it's missionaries, or it could be by the radio or the internet these days. 
But God will get the gospel to that person. But even with protest, most humans choose to live in ignorance and darkness. And that's how this thing ends. Look at verse 18. And with these sayings, scarce restrained they the people that they had not done sacrifice unto them. After all that, and Paul and Barnabas are even saying, we're not your gods. We're men just like you. And they still were intent on deifying them and offering sacrifice. That's how you, I don't know about you, but that's how I feel about most of my loved ones. After all that God has done, all the witnessing, life in general, the witness of creation, the conscience we know that God is pricking in their hearts and minds, and they just continue on and continue on, just like this thing, pictures up here on the wall, and walking toward the cross because the cross is a witness and they see the witness and they see the witness and they choose to go off the edge into the abyss. It's an amazing thing. Only when we receive God's Word do we find the light and come into the darkness. Coming out of the darkness. Coming out of the darkness. Sorry. You want to find the light. It's not a gospel song or a feeling Although the gospel song could have the gospel itself in it, but most of them don't these days. But it's the gospel itself. It's the Word of God. And that's how I want to close this. I want to go to 1 Corinthians 10. We'll close reading this. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 19 and 20. Oh, that's not right. We already read that. It's cold. Colossians 1. But that's right. Oh, I want to read it because it was so good. It's Colossians 3. Okay. Ignore the screen there. Go to Colossians chapter 3. Beginning verse 14 says, And above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness, and let the God, uh, the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. And we read this in the uh, Sunday school, but some of you didn't read it with us, so I want you to read it. Read verses 16 and 17 with me. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. And then look at verses 23 and 24. Read that. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. The bottom line is, do not allow frustrations and disappointments in this life to hinder you. Obviously, don't let false doctrine and false teachings and that sort of thing hinder you. Stay the course with the knowledge of what God has taught you. Stay true to the Word. And just keep on keeping on. And if you'll do that, when the Lord returns, you're going to be so thankful you did it. Amen. And great will be your reward. Amen? Amen.
Father, we thank you, Lord, for this study, and we thank you for uh, teaching us, your Holy Spirit teaching us. Uh, even when the preacher uh, mixes up his words and sends people to the wrong reference, throughout this time, your Holy Spirit has been able to use your word and minister to hearts, maybe even convict some of us here. Maybe there's people here among our family, online or here, who need to make some changes, who need to understand the time that they may be wasting. Maybe they understand that there's opportunities they're blowing. Or maybe it's just a general lack of commitment, dedication to service. Of course, it starts by knowing for sure we're saved by the blood of Christ, by faith in that death, burial, and resurrection. But we do pray that those who are sure of their salvation will be just as sure of their intent to serve you and to love you and to enjoy you day in and day out. And as we enjoy you and enjoy our walk with you, we could be contagious and spread that same spirit to those around us, saved and unsaved. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, let's sing a closing song there, 424 in your hymn books. Stand if you can, and we'll sing all four verses of 424, Send the Light.
collected if you raise your hand and let Janie know you've got one and onlineers will be looking for yours at bbfohio at protonmail.com as we say goodbye on three. One, two, three. See, See you here, here there, there, or in the air.